Everybody, welcome to episode 13. Lucky number 13. Dan Marino wore number 13. My favorite quarterback of all time, even though he never won the Super Bowl. Well, let me put it this way. He was my favorite quarterback of all time till he cheated on his wife. <sighs> Come on, Dan, you're better than that. I'm embarrassed by my gender, truly. Before we get started, I do have a public service announcement from your Uncle Dave. In the last episode, we were talking about SoCal weather, and uh, it's that time of year that I feel it's my duty to inform you and to warn you that if you have any plans to come to SoCal in May or June, cancel them. Don't do it. Never, ever visit SoCal in May or June. There's a saying here, May gray and June gloom. We have this thing called a marine layer. And it's basically a, a misty, foggy, very cloudy, don't see the sun for days. And if you do see the sun, it's maybe for a couple of hours a day. And it happens in May and June. Hence, May gray, June gloom. And when my wife and I go out, we, we see tourists here all the time. They're easy to pick out of a crowd, right? I feel so bad for them if it's in May or June because the weather just sucks. I mean, who wants to go to the beach in a cloudy drizzle? I mean, I guess you can still do the zoo and Legoland and the wild animal park and everything else San Diego has to offer. But, you know, people come here for the sunshine and the, and the beaches and Black's Beach where everybody's naked. <laughs> I feel so bad for them because you save up, you're going to take the family on a vacation to SoCal, and the weather turns out to be so shitty. Ugh. San Diego, LA, it doesn't matter. It happens to us all. Stay away from SoCal in May and June. Because I'm here to tell you, as I record this, I have not seen the sun for like a week. Overnight, this, this marine layer moves inward and just lays on us citizens and if you're lucky, it'll push back out to the ocean and you'll see the sun for a few hours. And then in the late afternoon, you'll look westward and you'll see the, the dark, gloomy clouds forming. And then it moves right back in. And lately, it's been 24-7. It doesn't move out and move in. It's just laying here. And it's actually raining. It's a misty, drizzly rain. It's so bad. As long as we've been here, on May 24th, it has never rained. And May 23rd was a drizzly day all day. And today, the 24th, is a drizzly day all day. So if I seem really grumpy or if I seem down and depressed, that's why. All right, back to the big show. I got great news. I told you I was going to do it, and I did it. Go to Instagram.com slash Filmmaker97. Now, it's Filmmaker without the E. So it's F-I-L-M-M-A-K-R-97. Filmmaker without the E. Filmmaker 97. Now you guys are very, very special. I have not put this link on the website, and I will not put this link on the Facebook page. So what I'm telling you is no one has access to the pics and the vids that I am going to put on Instagram except for you. The listeners of this podcast are the only eyeballs that are going to see what I put on my Instagram page. Well, except for my wife. She follows me. All right, so I just got started, so don't expect a lot right now. I think I have five items on there, maybe six. There is a video 
on there. The three main actors talk about me as a director. Let's just say they lie about me as a director, right? <laughs> no, it's it, it's a pretty cool video. And then uh, we have some photos of the set when we were by the cars, when we were up in the picnic area. So yeah, you'll get a pretty good idea of the size of our production uh, by looking at these photos. Just want to let you all know that. And I will be adding more. Oh, I have plenty more to add. So check it every week. I will update the Instagram site every week when I publish the podcast. So after you listen to the podcast, feel free to go to the Instagram page and you should see some new stuff. All right? Damn, what are we going to talk about this week? Well, my hat's off to you. If you've come this far, you've written a great script You've put together a budget based on that script. You've figured out how many people you're going to need to hire or how many volunteers you're going to need or how many friends and family you're going to ask to help. (laughs) You got a good idea of the size of your crew and your cast. And hopefully you have dipped your toes into the funding water and you are thinking about ways to get funding. Maybe you've thrown it out there and you're on social media and you have a ton of followers and you started a crowdfunding page and you have tons of money coming in every minute of every day. Or you're an old geezer like me and you've decided to see your dream come true and you're going to finance the movie yourself. So now what? Well, there's a couple of things that you can focus on right now. If you used a screenwriting program when you were writing your script, you probably have your scenes numbered. But just in case you didn't use a screenwriting program and you just manually did it on a word processing program, you need to number your scenes. Now, you can go through the script, break down your scenes, and separate them. Start off with interiors and exteriors. Okay, you got one column of interior, one column of exterior. Let's say you have two exterior locations, location A and location B. So go through and look at the scene numbers and figure out is that exterior location A or is that exterior location B and put the number in the column. So ultimately what you want to do is you want to figure out how many scenes are going to be shot at a specific location. Separate your interiors, exteriors, exterior, location A, location B, as many as you have. And then how many scenes at location A? How many scenes at location B? Then move to interior. How many scenes at location A? How many scenes at location B? So when you get done with that, you're going to be able to look at this. If you want to make it into a graph, it's really easy to see it that way. But you're going to see where all your time is going to be spent. Are you going to spend the majority of your shooting time at interior location A and then interior location B just a little tiny bit of time? This is all going to help you schedule. Now, we figured out how many days we were going to shoot, right? But you could do this before you figure out how many days you're going to shoot. I was just, I was telling you what I did for the hike. This is the order that I went in. I was pretty dead set at 18 days. I would cut up those 18 days, and those 18 days were a pie, and I cut them up. This location has eight scenes, and this location has three scenes, and then you allot the days for those specific scenes. You figure out how long you think you're going to need for those scenes. If you have eight scenes at one interior location, and you have two scenes at another interior location, well, two scenes is a half a day, maybe not even that. So, you know, you could do it either way. 
You could do this first and then figure out how many days you're going to shoot. Or you could just set your days of shooting in stone and then go through and allocate certain days for these scenes, certain days for these scenes. It may be obvious, but, you know, some of you might not think about it. But you're not going to bounce around from location A to location B and then back to location A. Okay, so the key is when you're in a location, you shoot everything you've got in that location. Every scene that you have in that location, shoot it in two days, three days, four days, whatever. And when once you leave this location, you're not coming back. It's just a time waster to bounce back and forth. And like I said, that might seem obvious to some of you, but then some of you might not think about that. So I'm just throwing it out there for you. So when you schedule your shoot, you get all of one location done and then move forward. Next location. And of course, you're going to have daylight scenes. You're going to have nighttime scenes. That's another way to split up your scenes. Company moves. You heard me in the last episode say a company move. So if we would have shot the first scene in the hike, it would have been a company move, which is just two words that mean everyone's going to pick up. We're going to throw everything in a truck or a van or whatever and move to a different location. And that takes time. Just remember, time is not your friend when you're shooting an independent feature film. Time is the gremlin on the airplane wing looking at William Shatner. (laughs) That's an old reference. Y'all have to look that up because I'm not going to give it away. So you're going to break down your script into scenes, break them down into locations, write them down on a piece of paper so you see how many scene numbers are at this location, how many scene numbers are at this location, and then plan accordingly. You got to be prepared. You got to plan. Okay, the other thing you can do while we're while we're in the script and we're breaking it down, you're going to need to come up with a shot list at some point. And you just shot list scenes. And you can go in numerical order if you'd like. Scene number one. How many shots do you see in this scene? What's your coverage going to be? Are you going to shoot a master and then close-ups and then move on? Is there going to be a camera move in this scene? So figure out your shot list. Is it going to be you know, medium shots of the actors in the scene? Uh, are we going to have close-ups? Of course, the master is the wide shot that covers everything. You run through the entire scene with the camera all the way back so you see everything. That's the master shot. And then you can move in for medium shots. And then you can move in for close-ups. Now keep in mind, this is a little editing FYI. It's very distracting, and it's kind of shocking in a way. When you go from a master, when you're cutting your movie, you're in a master shot, and then you bump into a close-up. If possible, you kind of want to ease your way in. Master shot, move in for some mediums. Medium is like waist high. Then you can hit that close-up. You know, it's like baby steps. Master, in a little closer, in close. So when you go from way out to zoom, boom, you're in, it's kind of off-putting visually. You know, when you were writing your script, I know you saw this in your head. I know you saw the movie in your head. You saw the scene in your head. And if you didn't, now is the time to do that. So read through your script, visualize it in your head. What do you see here? Master, close-up of character A, close-up of character B, two-shot, medium shot with both of them in the frame, over the shoulder. Just figure out your shots because it's good for you. And plus, you're going to have to share your shots with the cinematographer. So the cinematographer and you are on the same page. Now, I know most of you have heard about storyboards or you do storyboards for you filmmakers out there. Some of you probably do storyboards. There are computer programs that are so sweet and they make storyboards for you. And they can make animated storyboards, but they're expensive. It's another expense. Worst case scenario, you can just draw stick figures. 
you know, draw your 16 by nine frame. I think as a matter of fact, you can buy paper that comes preloaded with like two, four, six, uh, 16 by nine squares on a sheet of paper. And you can use those as storyboards. And then you paper clip them or staple them together. And your entire movie is on this piece of paper that you can share with whoever wants to see what we're doing. But the, uh, the computer storyboards are really sweet. I, I didn't use a computer storyboard. Now, the other option is not the storyboard, but you still have to have a shot list, you know, and, and all the DPs are going to know the language, master, medium, close up, over the shoulder, crane up, crane down, pan left, pan right, push in, push out, that kind of thing. If you don't know shots, if you go on Amazon, there is a three volume set. It's called Master Shots, and I think they're about 25 bucks each. And for those of you who have not gone to film school, can't go to film school, these three books will give you all the shot knowledge you need to make a movie. Honest to goodness. Cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. These books are amazing. Master Shots on Amazon. There's three volumes. Check them out. This is also a time to think about transitions. You know, when you're going through your script, you have scene one and scene two. How are you going to transition from scene one to scene two? Are you going to fade out? Is it going to be a hard transition? Hard cut? Just a boom cut? Are you going to have a B-roll shot? Are you going to have a shot of the sky? Are you going to have a shot of city folk walking around the city and traffic? You know, it depends on what your script is. If you're in exteriors, you're going to have nature. Go through and figure out your transitions also. Your cinematographer can shoot B-roll. So if you let him know before you start shooting, okay, these are my transitions. He'll probably do what my DP did, go out early before everybody else at the crack of dawn and just find these things and shoot them. And then you'll have them. Don't waste a shooting day getting transition shots. You're paying your DP good money or your DP knows what the hell he's doing. He's not going to want to go to you in the middle of a shooting day and say, Dave, uh, I need to hit some of these transition shots for you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take the crew with me and I'll be back in a couple hours. No. Doesn't work that way. What are your actors going to do? Sit around and twiddle their thumbs, right? You can do it before the shooting day starts or after the shooting day ends. Get those transition shots. You don't have to have a transition shot. I mean, you can always fade out, but it's nice to have actual shots. If you run out of time, you can go to a stock footage library. And it's just like Audio Jungle, where you get a license for sound effects. There are libraries that have shots of nature, shots of human beings walking around. Any shot you can think of is in a shot library. And what you do is you, you spend some money and you buy a license and you can take that stock footage and use that as a transition. Now, I didn't do that because I honestly, I didn't think about that. I didn't consider it. But if I'm lucky enough to do another movie, I will definitely do that. Here's a quick aside. Did you guys see the proposal with Sandra Bullock and uh, Ryan Reynolds? Ryan's family is supposed to live in Alaska on like this island. And they have all these transition shots of Alaska. And they have a, a time-lapse shot of the sun rising. And it's just above the horizon. And it shoots across the horizon and then it goes down. It's a time-lapse. It's, it's amazing. If you watch the credits, the movie was shot in Massachusetts. But there are shots, and it's obviously Alaska, because there's big snow-covered, ice-covered mountains. And like a, a shot of a seaplane coming in with the mountains behind them, and a seaplane lands on the water. As an independent filmmaker, you're not going to shoot that. You're going to buy that stock footage. Speaking of airplanes, anytime you see a movie, and there's a jet, and you see that shot where the camera's 
underneath the belly of the plane and you see the landing gear and the landing gear hits the, the tarmac and the smoke flies and you hear it. Boom, boom. Those are stock footage shots. The DP of that movie did not shoot that with a GoPro. Those are stock footage shots. Do not forget stock footage shots. And yes, it's going to cost you money. Do a Google search. Look at some libraries. See if you can find something that'll work in your movie for your script. These stock footage shots, the production value when using them is huge. It's huge. And honestly, I can kick myself in the ass for not thinking about them because I I could have used those and it would have made the hike better than it is right now, honestly. So there you go. Two things to do. Go through your script, separate all the locations and figure out how many how many scenes are in this location, how many scenes are in that location and schedule accordingly and then figure out your shots. You don't have to storyboard if you don't want to, but you have to have a shot list. And you know sometimes if you know even if you don't want to show your storyboard to anybody, even the DP, it can help you visualize it. And if you got a bunch of money to blow, check out the storyboard programs that you can use on your computer. They're amazing. All right, let's get out of here. I hope you all have a great week. Please, please, please remember to be a lion and not a sheep.